This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So listen, I am super pumped to uh, continue our series that we've been in the last couple of weeks. So we started about two weeks ago um, in this Making Room series. And uh, like I said, let me just give you a little preface to how we arrived at this series. Back in December, um, we, we plan all of our talking points for the whole year. And we plan what we're going to talk about, what kind of journey we want to take the church on, what kind of journey we want to take our faith community on, some things we want to discuss, some things we want to cover, um, and kind of lay it all out there. And so we wanted to cover this series uh, early on in the year so that we could have these discussions and we could open these discussions. And so basically, this series, this Making Room series, is about creating an open and safe space for conversation. An open and safe space for growth and for relationship and for pursuit of Jesus. And so all of these things that we're talking about on Sunday mornings, um, these are meant to be conversation starters. The entire brevity of the conversation doesn't happen within the 20 to 25 minutes that I get up here and talk, okay? While I'm up here talking, hopefully what I'm doing is I'm, I'm activating things in your hearts and in your minds that you're saying, ooh, that's something I'd, look to, I'd like to look more into. That's something that I would like to maybe go home and research myself. That's something that maybe I would like to put into practice. That's something that I might want to try. So the whole, the whole conversation doesn't take place with me up here talking and you sitting down there listening, right? This context is to inspire you to go to your spheres of influence and your circles of life and begin to have these conversations. Does that make sense? And so in week, does that make sense? Because I saw like three head nods. Am I speaking clearly? Right? Is this thing on? Yeah, it's on? Okay, cool, cool. So in week one, we laid a foundation. We talked about love and forgiveness. That if we're gonna make room at the table, if we're gonna create a safe space for anybody and everybody to experience Jesus and to encounter Jesus, the foundation of that is love and forgiveness. The foundation of that is receiving the love of God and reflecting the love of God. Right? The foundation for that is receiving the forgiveness of God and reflecting the forgiveness of God. And we said it's super easy to receive all this stuff. We're like, yeah, Lord, bring it on. But then when it comes to give it to other people, we're like, eh, but they, mm, uh, mm. right? And it gets a little more difficult in that area. But we said the foundation, receive the love of God, reflect the love of God. Receive the forgiveness of God, reflect the forgiveness of God. And then last week, we talked about this idea of equality and kinship and how we're all in this together, right? And we talked about how we are all created and crafted by God. We looked at uh, John 3, 16 and 17. And we said that we are all created and crafted by God. And we are all broken and fractured and flawed. But God loves us anyway. God loves all of us anyway. And we cited some, some polarizing issues and said that God loves both sides of those issues. God cares for the people on both sides of those issues. And so we talked about our equality and our kinship as humanity and how if we want to make room at the table, right? If we want to have real open conversations, we want to have real open relationships, we really want to impact the world around us, that love and forgiveness has to be a game changer for us and this idea of kinship has to be a game changer for us. And so this morning, we're continuing that conversation. So week one and week two were about setting the table. It was like, hey guys, here's some ground rules. Here are some things that we got to sort of implement into our worldview and our perspective to even begin to have these conversations, 
right? And so today, in week three, we only have one more week next week, we're looking at diversity within the church. This is going to be fun. I'm going to get a lot of emails about this one. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm like, I'm pumped about it. I told the guys in the pre-service meeting, I was like, just, just pray for me, guys. Just pray for me here. Um, we're looking at diversity within the church, within the faith family, and how diversity within our faith family, it has to be okay. It needs to be okay, right? And so we're going to look at that this morning. And, and so my family, my personal family, is absolutely crazy, okay? Those of you who know my family, you know that many of them have been involved in this church at one point or another, and, and we're just, we're nuts, right? We're a little bit off in the head, but at the same time, we're still all a lot alike, right? We're like really, really, really the same, but we're like really, really, really different as well. For those of you who don't know my dad, um, my dad is like a gypsy, right? Like he has never, he's been a gypsy my entire life. He's bounced from like one thing to the next, to the next, to the next my entire life. He's not like this career guy, right? He's not this nine to five guy. And many of you who know my dad, you're kind of shaking your head like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? He's, he's, he's this entrepreneur, this super hard worker, but also like super, super crazy, right? And then, and he's in this room right now and I'm saying these things, so you know it's true. Um, and then my mom, right? My mom passed away a few years ago, but my mom was from a really, really, really small town in Alabama, right? And she was a pretty simple woman, right? She never needed much. She wasn't super into like having the biggest and baddest and greatest and grandest and whatever, you know? She didn't care that my dad was a gypsy and bounced all over the place and did whatever. She was just along for the ride, right? She loved my dad. She loved her kids. She loved her family. She loved junk food and she loved gossiping. I mean, straight up, right? Those were like, her love language was the spirit of rebuke, right? I believe that. With all my, she would say that, so I'm allowed to say that. But she, was just, she, but she was so different than my dad. And my dad was so different than my mom. And then my brother, um, my brother, I'm just giving you like my family history here this morning. I hope that's okay. My brother is a music producer. And when you think music producer, you probably think gold teeth and big chains. My brother looks homeless most of the time, <laughs> right? And, and the reality is he's in the room too, so I can say this. Um, you know, but he's a music producer, and he started this, like, sound company down in Detroit and Corktown, and he's, you, you've heard him on commercials and TV spots and TV shows, and he's worked with the Grammys and with movies and different things, so he's, like, legit, but he, like, straight up looks homeless, like, straight up, right? And uh, so my brother's a music producer, and, and also sort of this, like, gypsy perspective, not a nine-to-five guy, entrepreneurial guy, and then uh, I have a sister, and my sister is a full-time musician, you think full-time musician, you think, yeah, right, really, she works at Home Depot on third shift and plays music at the corner, right? No, she's legit like a full-time musician. She started the year off in Australia. She's been on tour all, all year. She's going to be gone until June. I, I haven't seen her. We went yesterday, we drove to Grand Rapids, which is like two and a half hours away, just to see her, just to come say hey. She had a show there last night, so we went and hung out with her and everything. But like, so she's a musician, and so she's super quirky, and she's super like different in her own perspective and in her own way. And then you have me, and I'm a pastor. So we got like, yeah, I know. Why did you guys laugh at that, jerks? Jeez, we got like music producer, musician, pastor father of four right? Um, yeah. And I'm like pursuing my master's degree. So I'm like in school and like a dad and I'm a little more of like the American dream than the rest of my family. But those of you who know me, you still know I'm 
absolutely just as crazy as they are, right? I'm just not right in the head a little bit, and that's okay. Um, but then you should try to get us all in the same room. So we're super, super different, right? Super diverse, completely different ends of all kinds of different spectrums, okay? But, but we're a family. And in essence, we're all the same. We're very, very different, but we're very, very much the same as well. Another thing, man, every time me and my brother go somewhere, people think we're twins. What? What? I am so much better looking than him. And like, he's a ginger and I'm not? I'm like 6'1", he's like 5'4"? What? How in the world? Anyway, I had to get that off my chest in public with him in the room. Um, yeah, but you should get us together, my entire family, with how different and diverse and sort of different paths that we've taken and everything, and try to talk about God and our thoughts and our beliefs and our perspectives. They are incredibly different, incredibly different. All five of us, incredibly different, but we're still a family and we still love each other, right? And the thing is, we're all so different, yet we're all still the same. And your family is probably similar, right? Your family is probably similar in the way that, you know, you might have the same sort of story or same sort of situation where you're all so different. I mean, you got those, some families where they're all the same and you're like, something's going on here that we don't really, something, I don't, something ain't right. But you know what I'm talking about. In your family, it's probably super diverse, but yet you're still a family. And occasionally you can come together, usually over a big giant turkey on the table. You can hang out with each other, even if that's the only time, right? But end of the day, you're still a family, and there's a lot of similarities between you, and for some of you, the similarities are what you hate so much, and that's why you don't hang out with your family, but whatever, that's another counseling session for another time. But your family is probably, you probably have sort of the same situation, but here's my question. We understand within our our nuclear family that there are differences, and that there are diversities, and that there are things where it's like, ooh, I don't really agree with that, or ooh, they don't really agree with me, and ooh, whatever, and and they have all these things, but at the end of the day, you're still a family, but here's the deal. Why do we expect something different from our faith family? Why do we expect something different from our church family? We recognize and we allow and we accept diversity within our families, but why is it so different when it comes to the church? Why is it so different when it comes to our faith family? Because for some reason, there's this expectation that our faith family has to be just like us in everything, right? There's that expectation that they have to believe exactly like us. They have to think exactly like us. They have to vote exactly like us. And if they don't, ooh, they gotta do some business with Jesus because they are off, right? We have this expectation that they're gonna be exactly like us. And if there's any sort of variance or disagreement, with something in our, someone says in our church or someone, something someone says in our, um, you know, on Facebook from our church or something they're involved in that we don't necessarily agree with, what do we do? We jump ship and we go find another church that's gonna think, act, talk, and vote just like we do. Why do we do that? We don't do that in our family. In our nuclear family, we don't say, oh, you guys don't believe the exact same thing as me? Uh, you're all going straight to hell. Later, I'm going to find a new family. No, it's ridiculous to even think about, but for some reason, we take it into a different perspective when we talk about our church. And so what I want to do is today, I just want to spend the next couple of minutes talking about diversity within the family, talking about how it relates to making room at the table, how we've created an atmosphere here at Central Church for everyone, anyone to come experience Jesus, 
But the way that works is that we have to be open and accepting of diversity within our family. We have to be open and accepting of ideas that are different than our ideas. And maybe some minor belief systems that are different than our minor belief systems. Does that make sense? And so I want to talk through that because hopefully what that will do is that will start a conversation in your household and in your family so that in your spheres of influence, you can begin to have conversations that are actually going to impact people. And that you can have conversations that are going to meet people where they are and hopefully move them one step closer to Jesus. So let's pray together and then uh, we'll jump right in. We're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time of worship that we get to spend just just responding to who you are, of singing praise and adoration to you and inviting you to just be the king of our lives, God. I pray this morning as we open your word, I pray that you would make it come alive to us, that you'd send your Holy Spirit to inspire these passages and make, illuminate the scriptures to us, make it real, make it relevant, make it practical. God, I pray that you would use me as an effective mouthpiece, but that you'd remove me from the equation, that you would do work in us today. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So I absolutely love the pairing of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think it's great. The thing is, so often in church and in all kinds of situations, the two are not really put together very often, right? Oftentimes, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks, you give that before like a volunteer uh, call for volunteers, right? Like, guys, we're all gifted in different areas. You should really step up and serve in the nursery, right? That's, that's kind of how that chapter is used a lot in church. And then 13, in church, if you've been around church a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. In, in, in chapter 13, uh, that chapter is used at weddings all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not. But you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. 90% of you had that in your wedding, right? I had it in mine. Guilty as charged, right? And so, but the thing is, very rarely do we put those two chapters together that are right next to each other, right? Because there's a continuity here that's really, really interesting and really, really cool. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 11 talks about spiritual gifts. Talks about how, you know, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and we have spiritual gifts that we can use at our disposal. And then in verses 12 through 30, it moves into this like analogy section where it talks about how the, the body of Christ is one body. It has many different parts, many different functions, many different responsibilities, but it all comes together as one body. And so in verses uh, four through six, it just kind of gives you an idea of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And so this is saying basically that, listen, God manifests himself differently in all of us. God reveals himself differently to all of us, right? He uses us in very, very different ways. He gifts us to, to thrive and excel in certain areas, right? We got these people up here that are playing instruments and singing and doing their thing, right? If I just handpicked just four or five random people and put them up here, woo! If I was one of those people, woo, it would not be pretty, Right? God has gifted some of us to do that, and other, most of us he has not. Some of us still think he has, but really he hasn't, okay? All right, let's just let's be real here for a minute, okay? But God has given us all different gifts and abilities, man. You put a guitar and a microphone and, and put me on this stage, I'm be like, I would be terrified. But then give me like this little Madonna mic where I feel like Britney Spears and I get out here and talk, boom, I'm all over it, right? I'm not backstage like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna say, right? It's like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna shut up so that they can actually get to lunch today, right? It's just different. We have different gifts, different abilities. Some of you put you in the nursery and it's like, hey, can you get them out of the nursery real quick? Like they're, they're damaging kids forever right now. But others of you, 
But other, like, like it's nice that they volunteered, but, but really, let's use them somewhere else, like uh, the parking lot. Um, <laughs> but then others of you, man, you step in the nursery and it's like, dang, do, do you, do you want to come to my house and parent my kids? Because you're freaking awesome, right? And it happens. some of us are gifted and talented in many different areas, and the Spirit gifts us in many different ways to edify the body, right? And it talks all about that. And then in uh, verses 12 to 27, it goes through this analogy. It says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And then it goes in, you know, it's made up not of one part, but of many parts. And he says, one part can't say to the other part, I don't need you. The other part can't say to the other one, I don't need you. And then he kind of throws in some jokes in there. Like he's, he's a little bit of a comedian. He's like, I mean, what if the whole body was an ear? How would it smell anything? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right? You got to give him like a pity laugh, as you, as you, whatever. And, um, and he's going through and he's saying, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Starting, you know, in verse 21. And he goes through and he says, listen, all the parts are important. And he says, the parts that are even like a little bit embarrassing, those are given more honor and they're covered up and they're supported. And he's like, listen, here's the deal. Every part of the body is super, super important and you're gifted to edify everyone. And so everybody's got something to bring to the table and it's unique and it's special and it's different from everybody else and that's okay. And so we read that and we're like, sweet, man, that's awesome. That's, that's great. But then it goes through into verse 13 and I love it. Because when it, or chapter 13, because when it transitions into chapter 13, the very beginning of it says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And so he goes through and says, listen, you guys are super gifted. You're super talented. It's super diverse. You got all kinds of things to bring to the table. You're game changers. All of you are game changers. It's incredible. And he says this, but now I will show you the most excellent way. So he's like, this is awesome, but there's an even greater thing going on here. There's something even bigger and better than that. And in verse one, he says, now if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. He says, man, you got all these gifts, you got all these talents, you got all these abilities, it's so great. The Holy Spirit has inspired you. You can be a rock star, man, but... If you don't love people, it's all crap. All of it. No matter how great you think you are, no matter all the gifts that you're bringing to the table, no matter how empowered by the Spirit you believe you are, if you don't have love, it's garbage. It's garbage. It's like a resounding clown, cl cl clunging whatever, symbol. When I talked about this one time, I brought one of those symbols out and I was like, psh, 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 psh. I was like, isn't this awesome? And all the oh, mothers are running with their children, oh. It was like the worst thing ever, right? He says, you can do all this stuff, but if you don't have love, you just sound like a banging cymbal. It's garbage. Ain't nobody want to hear that. Nobody wants to accept that. Nobody wants to do life with that. Nobody wants to have a conversation with that. Nobody wants to go to lunch with that. Nobody wants to have a conversation at the water cooler at work with that. Nobody wants to go to the Pistons game or the Tigers game with that. Right? Nobody wants to come to church with somebody like that. Do you hear me? You can be super gifted and super empowered, but if you don't have love, uh-uh. It don't mean anything. 
He goes into verse four. This is the one we use at the weddings all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It, is not, it does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So is that characterizing the way that we view our family and our unity and all this stuff? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we loving? Yeah, we can shoot off Bible passages to people and we can have our theology all in line and our doctrine all printed out and, you know, posted on our refrigerator and everything else, but are we loving people? He says, let me show you the most excellent, and now I will show you the most excellent way. He busts out his Bill and Ted's excellent adventure dialect there. Let me show you the most excellent way, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He said, let me show you the most excellent way. You gotta love people, man. You gotta love people. And, 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 and we know this, but why do we struggle so much? We know that in the family there's diversity. We know that there's differences and they're different gifts and they're different abilities and they're different talents and all this stuff. And some things really piss us off and really make us angry and really separate us. But at the end of the day, we love them anyway, right? And it's okay in our nuclear family, and we know that all these things are different, but why do we struggle with the idea that if someone doesn't believe exactly like I do, that they can't be part of the family? Where do we get that from? Why do we think that? That if someone doesn't believe exactly like I believe, they can't be part of the family. If they don't believe exactly like I believe, I'm going to find a different church. I'm going to find someone who does believe exactly what I believe and will support me in my beliefs. Why has that become the norm? Why do we struggle with the idea that if someone doesn't live or act or make the exact same choices that we do, that they can't be part of the family? Why do we think that? Why are we defined by our parameters all the time rather than being defined by Jesus at the center, right? We say, well, if, oh, well, no, they do, oh, well, no, they do that, oh, but I would never. And we find all these reasons to exclude them from the family, you know what's interesting about Jesus? The people who were most unlike him loved being around him. And you know what he did? He hung out with them all the time. Why is that not the MO of the church? Right? Why is that not the way that we operate? Why are people not drawn to us by the droves because the way we treat people, because the way we love people, because the way we respect and honor and cherish people, like we talked about last week, as created by God? Yes, broken, some broken more than others, but ultimately loved by God and should ultimately be loved by us as well. Why do we struggle so hard with people from different backgrounds and different ideologies and different perspectives and worldviews and all this stuff? Listen, guys, unity does not mean uniformity. Do you hear me? Unity does not necessarily mean uniformity. There is power in our diversity. There is power and our diversity. It should be embraced. It should be celebrated, right? There is power in our diversity. It is healthy to have progressive thinkers and conservative thinkers in the same faith community. That is healthy. It is healthy to have Baptist backgrounds and Catholic backgrounds and Methodist background and Pentecostal background and Presbyterian background. It's healthy to have that in the same community. 
That's super, super healthy. It's healthy to have the super holy, and hear me out, the super secular in the same faith community. That's super, super healthy. But you know why? Because we can learn so much from each other. And we can grow so much together. There is so much that the super secular can teach the super holy. And there is so much that the super holy can teach the super secular. It is incredibly healthy to have that diversity within the faith community. And I think you guys would be surprised at how incredibly diverse our lead staff here at Central is. With our, with our faith perspectives and our theology and our doctrine and all this stuff. And you know what that requires from us as a lead staff? It requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of humility. It requires a lot of understanding. It requires a lot of give and take. See, we're modeling it from the top and hopefully it's permeating down. But we wanted to be some, do something tangible here on a Sunday morning to talk about it. And to encourage it in your lives and in your spheres of influence. See, our, our staff is incredibly diverse in our theological perspective, our theological backgrounds, our theological stances. I mean, Carmen, many of you guys know Carmen. She's like this tall and smiles all the time, right? She's the one that takes care of all the kids. Well, she's probably like this tall. And she takes care of all the kids, right? <laughs> no, my brother's this tall. She's like this tall. Um, I love it. <laughs> Carmen is incredible, right? She's our kids pastor and over our connections here at Central. And Carmen is probably the most conservative of the bunch of our lead staff. She's probably the most conservative with her, um, you know, theology and doctrine and, and faith perspective and all that. She comes from a very charismatic Pentecostal background. And it's awesome. And um, we've had to, in conversations, there have been times where Carmen just kind of almost shuts down. She's like, we're like, whoa, 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 we see this happening. No, 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 come on back, come on back. We need your perspective, right? We need your thoughts, we need your ideas, we need your take on this. And then we have Leo. You guys know Leo, he's the smiley guy up here all the time playing guitar. Leo, he comes from a Catholic background, right? He went to Bishop Foley over here in Madison Heights. And so he's coming out of the Catholic thing, trying to figure out like, I mean, Leo's still in the process of figuring all this stuff out, right? He's in this process of saying, okay, I come from this, this Catholic background. I'm trying, he's trying to figure out what to keep and what to ditch, right? What was like just going through the motions, but what's real? And how does this all kind of jumble together? And so he's figuring out his faith journey. So in our conversation, sometimes he's like, huh? What? You know, we have to be like, all right, let's catch Leo up to speed real quick. So, uh, you know, DC Talk was the greatest band ever. Um, Right, we, had to, we gotta go through some of that stuff. Some of you are like, DC Talk, what? Uh, you need to probably go find another church. Um, so Carmen's super conservative. Leo is kinda like, you know, he's still trying to figure this whole thing out. And then um, Rich uh, was introduced to the, like, the Pentecostal movement in his late teens. Rich is our, our youth pastor. And Carmen's back there in the lobby. Hey Carmen, <laughs> nice to see you. Awesome, yeah, okay, awesome. Um, Rich was introduced to like the, the Pentecostal movement later in his teen years, right? And so he got saved and all this stuff. Honestly, I think it's because he thought Carmen was hot and so he started going to church with her and Jesus was just part of the mix, right? Um, let's be real, that's the power of youth group. Um, but, but Rich was a, he came in into the staff situation here as, as pretty conservative as well, right? And so he had a pretty conservative perspective but lately Rich is like reading all these books and we're having these conversations and he's like going through this deconstruction process where he's like, 
like mind explosions left and right, and he's un- unthinking some of the things he's always thought, and learning new things, and-, and wrestling with things, and talking about things, and he's just like, whoa, and it's an awesome to see sort of the excitement and passion in his faith journey currently, right? And so he's figuring things out and exploring ideas, and it's really, really an awesome thing. And then my brother Seth is also on the lead staff, and he has a very unique, uh, interesting perspective. Um, most of us are pretty sure that he's a Christian, um, we're pretty sure about it, um, just because I know when he was younger he went to church, so it's got to be in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm kind of not. Um, so he's awesome to have in our conversations as well, to bring his perspective to the table and his sort of dialogue and understanding. And then Bob, Bob's the guy up here, uh, he's our resident theologian, he's playing the guitar and stuff. Bob was uh, an Assemblies of God pastor for what, like 60, 70 years, something like that? <laughs> I'm kidding. For how long? 16 years? Is that what it was? Yeah, 16. So he was a, a Summons of God pastor for 16 years. So if you've talked to him, now you know what's wrong with him. Um, I'm just kidding. But Bob, it's interesting because Bob is probably the most progressive thinker on our lead staff. And so you would think looking at Rich, every time he poses for a picture, he's like, ugh. You would think he would be like the most progressive dude, but really it's kind of like flip-flopped. And Bob is like the silver sexy fox back here, right? And so when, when we have... When we have, yeah, yeah, I love Bob. So when we had like signups for community groups, uh, back when we did like a few, few years back, like all of our like more conservative thinkers like all signed up for Bob's and then they got there and were like, what? What is this guy saying, right? And so it was, it's very interesting because you wouldn't think that Bob is one of the more progressive and that Rich would be one of the more conservative or whatever. Um, but then I'm kind of middle of the road, even keel, putting out fires, making sure we're all still on the same team on this whole thing. And um, so we have a super, super diverse sort of theological background to our staff and to our faith community. Guys, let me tell you this. It is absolute magic to have such a diverse crew leading this faith community. Like if you haven't gone to other churches or you haven't experienced other things, you don't understand how special that is and how powerful that is and how magical that is. To, did he just say magic in church twice? Oh my gosh. You don't know how magical it is to have such a diverse group of people making decisions and having conversations, deep, heartfelt, oftentimes super awkward, intense conversations about leading this faith community. It's incredible. But you know what that requires? It requires humility, like I said at the front end. It requires trust. It requires some give and take. It requires some understanding. It requires understanding that there's diversity within the family, but that we're all still part of the family. And at the end of the day, whether you believe this, that, or the other, and how we're all kind of dancing around these open-handed issues, trying to figure out kind of where this faith community lands, at the end of the day, hey, you put Jesus at the center, I put Jesus at the center, we all put Jesus at the center, and we chase right after that everything else will work itself out because Jesus is the light and the closer that we get to light, no darkness can exist. And so it'll work itself out. And having that kind of leadership here has created the culture and the environment that we're able to enjoy here, which is incredible. I don't know if you've come to a midweek service, but on midweeks, we, we clear out the chairs, we set up tables in here and we sit in circles and we talk with each other and we, we have discussion questions and we have real life conversations. And if you sit in one of those, you realize real quick that there's a lot of diversity in the room as far as faith perspectives and faith journeys and stuff and people, what they bring to the table and their backgrounds, it's enlightening to all of us. 
And we can all learn from each other, and it's absolutely incredible, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And now listen, I don't want to get so carried away here that you missed the point. Like I said, this is a conversation starter. This is not the whole breadth of the conversation. There are obviously closed-hand and open-handed issues, right? We don't have people on staff thinking that they're the Messiah instead of Jesus, right? I mean, obviously, I don't have time to get into all the different things, but there are some closed-handed issues and some open-handed issues, right? We might not all agree on the way that we should take communion, but who cares, right? Doesn't matter. Let's not go start a new denomination over that, right? Does that make sense? Do you, under, do you understand what I'm saying in that little disclaimer? I'm not saying that we're like universalist, man, and like whatever goes, hey, we're cool with whatever, bring it. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's closed-handed and open-handed issues, but one of our core values is that we don't major in the minors, right? And we talk about that all the time, that we're gonna make unity a priority. And in doing that, you gotta be flexible, and so that's all we're saying this morning is to start the conversations that you, maybe you need to be flexible. Maybe you need to understand that we all got different ideas and different gifts and abilities and different beliefs and all that stuff. But the most important thing is that we love everybody and that everybody has a voice in the conversation. Does that make sense? And so that's huge because listen, we can't all be right, but we can't all be one. We can't all be exactly right, but we can make unity a priority and we can all be one together, the body of Christ. We can do that. We can't get everybody to believe the exact same thing as us as far as theology and doctrine and all that stuff. But we can love one another. We can be in unity with one another. And so my question for you this morning is what can you do in your sphere of influence to pursue unity without necessarily uniformity? What can you do to bring unity into the conversation? Not throwing everything to the wind and saying, all right, I'll let everything go. Whatever you say, I believe, let's, let's be one big happy family. I'm not saying let's put on a purple dinosaur suit and go to work, right? Bar that's a Barney reference if you didn't know. I love you, you love me. Yeah, I got a lot of blank stares on that. Are we too far removed from Barney to use that as a relevant reference? I'm old, I'm old. That's, that seals it right there. But the question is, are you willing to prioritize unity over your version of Christianity? Are you willing to, to prioritize unity over your version of Christianity? Because we all got our own version of Christianity. Are you willing to prioritize unity over your version of Christianity? Because the reality is, if we want to have real conversations, if we want to have a real impact in the world around us, if we want to have real relationships, if we really want to make room at the table and invite people in who are incredibly different from us, like I believe Jesus would do if he were here, then we need to ask ourselves, are we going to prioritize unity over our version of Christianity? Are we going to make that happen? Are we going to let these open-handed issues be open-handed issues and not put a flag in the sand where it don't need to be? Does that make sense? There needs to be diversity in the family. And so some of you this morning, the takeaway from this is, man, I need to have a conversation with someone that's different than me, right? I need to have a conversation with someone who maybe doesn't believe in Jesus. I mean, we need, you know, if I'm a white person, I might need to have a conversation with a black person or a, a, a Hispanic person or an Indian person or whatever. You know, if I'm a male, maybe I need to have a, no, let's not go there. That just gives guys a reason to be creeps and we're not gonna do that. Um, you know, if I'm a Christian, I need to maybe have an, a, a conversation with an atheist or with a Muslim or something like that. Maybe I need to have some, maybe for some of us, it's just simply starting to have conversations. If I'm a heterosexual person, maybe I need to have a conversation with a homosexual person. Try to kind of gain some insight, have a conversation, 
Say, hey, we might not be in uniformity, but we can be in unity. Right? We might not line up on every single thing exactly the same, but I can love you like I'm called to love you. I can serve you like I'm called to serve you. Right? For some of us, maybe it's, hey, we need to start having some conversations. For some of us, these conversations have been knocking at the door and we've been closing the door. So for some of us, we just need to open that door and allow people to talk to us. Allow ourselves to be available to have those conversations. You know you've had the opportunities and you've skirted right around them. You've Jesus juked it and been like, oh, sidestep that one. Woo, dodged a bullet. You know? Maybe you need to stop doing that. Maybe you need to make yourself available and say, you know what? Yeah. There is room for diversity in the family of God. There is room for that. For some of us, we need to shift our entire demeanor. We need to shift our entire position. We need to shift our entire perspective and realize that not everyone in the world is going to believe exactly the same way that you do. And if you're holding tight to that, you're not holding tight to Jesus. Does that make sense? Some of us, we need to kind of revolutionize our way of thinking and say, man, I need to be more open to having these kind I need to make some room at the table because I believe that's what Jesus would do. I believe Jesus would be having these tough conversations. I believe Jesus would be hanging out with these people that are different than we necessarily think fit the mold. Guys, that's important. We've made it a priority here at Central to be a place that welcomes diversity within the body of Christ. You know, the whole onset at the beginning of this series, we said, we aim to make Central a safe and open place to have these conversations, a safe and open place for anybody and everybody. We talked about last week, for God so loved who? The world. Not that he for so, God, God, for God so loved the Republican voting, uh, you know, Caucasian, Bible-believing. No, what? God so loved the world. He loved everybody. That whoever, we talked about that last week as well, whoever calls on him. Remember I talked about how uh, whoever is usually the worst case scenario? Your mom asks who you're hanging out with. You say, oh, whoever. Right? Whoever calls on him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, his front door is huge. For us to make our front door that big, there has to be diversity within the family. Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you. If you're in here and you need to start initiating some conversations, I want to challenge you to do that. If you need to start being receptive to some conversations, I want to challenge you to do that. If you need to totally flip-flop your way of thinking and recalibrate here for a second, that's okay too. I want to challenge you and encourage you to do that. So the band's going to play another song, and I just want to give you a safe space to respond to God this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to just say, man, dude, I, yeah, yeah, what, what that guy said. God knows your heart, man. It's not about these magical words that you have to say. God knows what's going on inside of you. Just open yourself up to him and say, let's, let's do this. Let's do business. Let's do work. Let's do this thing together. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for our time this morning. I pray that if we're in here today and we need to begin to have these conversations, God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the, the foresight and the understanding to see who we need to speak with and when we need to speak with them and how we need to interact. But God, I pray that you'd also give us the courage and the strength and the audacity to do something. God, for those of us who need to be more receptive to these conversations that we've been shutting down, God, I pray that you'd work on our hearts, that you would soften our hearts and that you would open our minds. 
that we'd be receptive to who you are and what you've called us to. And that is to love in spite of, in addition to all of our diversity. God, I pray this morning for those of us who this is kind of rocking our world and we're saying, well, wait a second. You're still stuck. You know, some of us are still stuck on, oh, Democrats and Republicans go to church together? God, I pray that you would rock our world. I pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit to just flip it all upside down. And then when it all lands, that we would calibrate our lives centered on you. God, I pray that you do work in the lives of the people in this room this morning, right now. We invite you here now. God, we love you we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Go ahead and stand with us. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.